This is Cyber Defense Radio with your host and cybersecurity expert, Gary Malefsky. Gary brings to you another globally recognized cybersecurity executive in the hot seat today. Sitting in my hot seat today is Dr. Lindsay Pauly. She is the Director of Disruptive Technologies at VentureScope. And VentureScope is the parent to a place she's the Director of Cyber and Space Intelligence, Mach 37. I think the oldest cybersecurity incubator in America. And she also has experience in the past working at RAND on cyber policy. But today we're going to talk about some of her hot investments that are pretty disruptive. Dr. Polly, welcome to the hot seat. Hi, Gary. Thank you so much for having me. Well, it's an honor to have you. And tell us a little bit about VentureScope and Mach 37, and, and let's drill down on some of your favorite cyber investments. Absolutely. So VentureScope was stood up about 13 years ago in 2009, and uh, there we like to say that we deliver deep innovation and venture investment expertise to enable corporate, government, and entrepreneurial stakeholders in evolving their strategies, expanding their partnerships, and really helping them learn how to better navigate and leverage the emergent technology landscapes that are around them. And uh, Mach 37, as you mentioned, a child company to VentureScope, was originally stood up back by the state of Virginia in 2013 uh, as a division of the Virginia Innovation Partnership Corporation, I believe, formerly known as CIT, uh, but eventually became fully owned and operated by VentureScope. So uh, Mach is at its core a startup accelerator designed to facilitate the creation of uh, generation of cyber companies, next-gen technology, so startups that are really pushing the envelope on new capabilities. And there's a couple ways that Mock does that. So the first is, you know, we're constantly monitoring the market for startups that are coming online in particular areas of interest. And some of the ways we get those areas of interest are by also watching investment trends and, uh, you know, broader stakeholder landscape for new demand signals Uh, that are coming out of there. And the ultimate goal of that, obviously, is to identify what we believe to be the top startups and then invite them into our accelerator and uh, ultimately invest in the most promising of those startups. So Mock's had about 15 cohorts now. Um, We've accelerated some of of the most amazing and, and exciting startups in the space. So a couple of them, just to mention, are Fortrace. Fortrace uh, has developed automated adversarial recon findings to make adversarial intelligence more usable and cost-effective by their clients. We have RunSafe, known as the fastest-growing Virginia-based cybersecurity company that protects embedded software for critical infrastructure. And that includes things like the um, electrified networks and critical uh, infrastructure for electric vehicle charging stations. And RunSafe now uh, has been operating across three continents, so growing exponentially. And then finally, uh, one of my personal favorite, Quantum Trilogy. They have built a fully integrated quantum communications infrastructure uh, that protects voice, messaging, and other data transmission systems. So definitely some exciting companies. And you know, based on our trends that we're seeing in 2023, I'm sure we're going to see some more exciting companies coming down the pipeline. They sound great. These three sound great. And I'm assuming you're always looking for something that 
first off, nobody else has done before or hasn't done it in this way. Could you talk about what what is disruptive in cyber? What does that mean to you? So to me personally, something that's disruptive in cyber is something that is going to fundamentally disrupt the way that the current market or current investor landscape uh, is operating. So when we think about you know possible examples of that, things like quantum, you know we've been working on quantum for several years now, um, and nothing has really generated and materialized that's been uh, groundbreaking. We have quantum trilogy that I just mentioned that I think is starting to to reach that threshold. So areas like that where we're reaching both a technological threshold point and are also seeing investors excited about it as well is where we start seeing the disruptive emergent tech area um, start coalescing. So making things safer, more secure, uh, unbreakable, even in cyber, the, you know, it's going to be difficult for someone to eavesdrop on a quantum quantum VoIP call uh, unless they have their own quantum computer that might be a little bit faster or the ability to record the VoIP, uh, but it's it's all scrambled and then spend, who knows, months, weeks, years trying to decode the conversation. So that's that's super innovative. And if they can pull that off in a in a easy to deploy way, uh, I'm sure it's going to take off. That's really amazing. And then the other one you were talking about, it, it's it sounds a little bit operational technology, but it's really there. Are they totally focused? It was run safe to focus on uh, the charging stations for the Teslas and all these other cars that are electric now. Not just limited to operational technology, but obviously a core focal point for them is critical infrastructure. Is for a couple of reasons, critical infrastructure has a huge attack surface constantly changing with new technology, new systems, and new networks that are being connected. And I love to use the example of the electrified network for EVs because not only is it something new, but it's something that is growing exponentially. And so we're not, we're just increasing that attack surface so much faster in a way that conventional technologies are not able to keep up with. So RunSafe has, you know, accepted the challenge and is stepping up the plate to address that threat. Our viewers and listeners may not believe this, but even gas stations have had to do two things. One is deploy network access control because the pumps are on Wi-Fi, right? And the two is physical security to ensure that uh, card skimming doesn't happen. So the fact that it's, you know, it looks like it's just a charging station. It's a complex, almost like an ATM machine. It just happens to charge your vehicle, but it deals with credit cards and PCI compliance issues and so much more. So that's that's a real interesting investment in a great direction. When when you find these companies, you find them really young, right? In other words, they kind of they need um, some business development support. They need some sales and marketing support. What what does an incubator and accelerator like Mach thirty seven do for them? Great question. So there's actually a distinction between what we would call an incubator and what Mach thirty seven is, which is an accelerator. So an incubator deals with companies that are much younger, you know, they may need support in fully fleshing out what their technology looks like, how to productize it better, how do they even speak about it, forming a, a leadership group. So those are your more traditional um, traditional incubator type, type entities. An accelerator is the next step. So once you have, you know, a solid leadership group, you have you know, a TRL, three to four technology readiness level, three to four products, you would come to an accelerator and an accelerator like Mach 37 
would provide support in helping you build out your network, teaching you how to better communicate your value proposition and your product to investors in particular and to members of the C-suite who you may be pitching to in around two or three meetings before your product is actually purchased by a large enterprise. Similarly, we would do introductions to very niche clients like the U.S. government, select branches, uh, primes. And um, so, so one benefit of working with an accelerator is that you do have this uh, immense network with some very proprietary relationships to help get you into these high-level conversations faster. And then, as you alluded to, helping you um, get some follow-on funding. So in some instances, we'll do you know, an injection of uh, capital to help get the incubator who's maybe pre-seed up to the next level and then connect them with uh, venture capitalists, angel seed providers, fund providers to uh, continue to grow and get them past that quote unquote value of death. Now, once they've started to grow up and get their series A or B round, uh, does VentureScope get involved? Is that a kind of take them to the next level? Or you guys as a team at Mach 37 help, as you said, make the introductions to the, the more well-known VCs and the larger groups to get them, get them that funding they need? You know, later stage funding is never out of the question, but VentureScope and Mach 37, even though we have startups who may graduate from cohorts, we like to say, you know, it doesn't mean that you just, you know, we shut the door and you're, you're on your own. So we're there to help with any additional support that they may need down the line. And these companies who go out or these startups who do graduate and go out and become successful, you know, they become part of the broader network to help uh, later cohorts generate traction, generate those partnerships and help evolve their own business models to meet and fit whatever particular area they're working on. Dr. Pauly, when I co-founded the media group, our team was looking at 300 cybersecurity companies to track 10 years ago in 2012. Today, there are 4,000 and there are MSSPs included. And then there are MSPs that want to become MSSPs. So the market is continuing to, to grow and grow. Do you think it's time for a little bit of consolidation? Do you help some of these startups plan an earlier exit, which is lower risk and maybe, you know, land in a Palo Alto or a CrowdStrike or an IBM or a Cisco, things like that. What are your thoughts on kind of the, the markets, the size? It's just enormous now. You're hundred percent right. The market is enormous. And um, I know in 2020, I believe we started to see a funding dip in the amount of funding that was being provided to startups from from VCs uh, and smaller companies from VCs. And after doing some more research, that wasn't necessarily due to the fact that less funding was there. But to your point, what was happening was the market was correcting. There was some consolidation going on, some purchases, some acquisitions happening. Um, So I think we are still in that phase. Especially with Mach 37, one of our differentiators is that we are very founder friendly. So um, if it is in the best interest of the startup and it is something that the leadership team has decided on, they want to uh, opt for an earlier exit or an acquisition, then we can help uh, support building out those bridges and partnerships to help them make that happen. 
but you know, that's not, that's something that we would never force on a startup, even if, uh, you know, market consolidation is happening, but, uh, you know, we provide our honest advice to them to help them be as successful as possible. And if push comes to shove and that's what they, they would like, then we're there to help them. Yeah, I don't want to say hinder a company from becoming the next black unicorn, which is, you know, one of our programs with Dave DeWalt and others. We track companies that we think are going to be worth a billion. And some of them are very small today. They're very small, which is exciting. But we know, you know, what they've invented or the path they're on is so disruptive and innovative that it's worth giving them the opportunity to go public. It's just one of the things that the the counterbalance is I talk to a lot of CISOs who say, you know, we have 200 products we're trying to manage and we don't have one dashboard to manage them all and Splunk isn't enough and this and that. And, you know, I wish I could have these features in something I bought from, you know, XYZ bigger name company. So I think, you know, watching 300 side or even antivirus, I think we're over, we're almost at 70 antivirus vendors. There's billions to share in the revenue, but they're not all stopping the viruses. If they were, you know, well, we wouldn't have to keep renewing our subscriptions. It's just a very interesting, it seems cybersecurity just will continue to grow and evolve. But I, w- I was just curious about your thoughts of the market consolidation and maybe simplification of all this. Maybe AI will help do it too. Yeah, you know, you never know. Um, you you just spoke to dashboards and, you know, that's something that we're hearing a lot of. There, Like you said, there's so many companies out there. There's so many product offerings, so many different tools. They're starting to all speak to each other but there's still no one consolidated dashboard to help you check, you know, the status of your whole system. How, how many security policies are, are being violated in this moment? You know, what endpoints are new that uh, are logging on to areas that they shouldn't be logging on to stuff like that. So I think that's one trend area that we're seeing um, expecting to be built out more chasm tools. Definitely. Yeah. It's an exciting time. So what drew you to cybersecurity investing? You know, um, I think it was definitely the exposure to the cyber policy world. So I had started, um, um, as we had been, as we had spoken to before, before we hopped on the hot seat. Um, I actually got my start in the cyber policy world when I began working at the Rand Corporation uh, as a policy and defense researcher. So I had gone there originally to work counterterrorism work, but quickly volunteered to begin working in a cyber cell that they had stood up, which was essentially a group of researchers to begin addressing uh, the projects and problems that we were being sent from the federal government. So, you know, White House level, DOD, Homeland Security level questions around how do we better protect critical infrastructure? Um, How do we uh, approach how other countries are looking at cyber and cyber warfare? all the way down to some of the more social issues about cybersecurity pipeline, talent development, and, and you know, topics in that vein. But, you know, I quickly got drawn into, you know, the other aspect of, you know, who's funding all these items, especially outside of the United States, who's funding the development of these small companies. And what I started to see was that startups, uh, particularly, you know, in the U.S., if funding's not available, They'll, they'll go and look for funding somewhere else. Uh, and a lot of times that's from the other big superpowers who are you know, looking to get a piece of the pie. So from there, you know, I joined, I joined uh, VentureScope and um, I've been very excited working with them and Mach 37 to help you know, play an active role in making sure that 
we're identifying the best and the brightest and getting them funded here uh, in the U.S. and helping them grow. What do you recommend to an innovative young startup in cyber that might need some help? Would they go to mock37.com? Is there a form they'd fill out? Or, and do you have an executive summary template or an intake form? Just curious how someone could reach out to you guys and uh, be vetted. Absolutely. They can go to our Mock 37 website. We have a contact form. They can uh, put in their information that will go directly to our uh, scouting team who vets all the technology, not only through or all of the uh, applications, but not only through the direct applications that we get, uh, but this team is also, like I had alluded to earlier, constantly monitoring the marketplace uh, actively for new startups that are coming online for startups that are coming out of stealth uh, that are in particular veins of interest, not only for Mach 37 and our investment uh, portfolio, but also for uh, VentureScope and some of the client work that we do there. That's great. Dr. Pauly, is there anything we haven't covered that you'd like to share with our viewers and listeners? Um, you know, I think if you don't mind, I'd like to mention some of the trends that we're looking out for in 2023. Absolutely, please. So I, I think 2023 is shaping out to be an exciting year for some fundamental technologies. And there's four in particular that I'm watching on my, my radar that I wanted to share with your audience. And the first is probably no surprise. It's securing our supply chain for technology components. Um, you know, and this one is, this topic's one that seems to always be on like the top 10 uh, trends to look out for. But you know, the pandemic, geopolitics have all really pushed this into the limelight in a way that you know we don't only have we don't only have technical professionals who are interested in this, but we also have investors who are doubling down as well. So it's creating this sort of like perfect environment to help push any technologies that are focused on alternative resources or chip uh, counterfeit pre prevention or tampering um, prevention to get those pushed through to the finish line. In that same vein, I like to throw in, obviously, semiconductors. Uh, semiconductors have been in the news a lot this year. We had uh, one, one is the latest announcement, I think, that came out of Japan, which is the US-Japanese uh, joint research uh, environment that's being stood up. Uh, more than $2 billion already allocated to it. So that area in particular, semiconductors will probably see flourishing uh, 2023, Q3, Q4, so the end of the year. Also, I had spoken about quantum earlier. Quantum is one of my particular favorite interests uh, when thinking about investing. And that's for two reasons. One, because it doesn't seem like a lot of investors are interested in it right now. And that's probably because we had the quantum craze several years ago. And as I mentioned, nothing really groundbreaking materialized out of that or broke into mainstream. Um, but there's a lot of interesting research going on this year, and that's going to be progressing into 2023. So that's something to keep on your radar. And then um, finally, my personal favorite is the development and the growth of systems designed to support and secure the new space economy. So this includes things like autonomous cybersecurity platforms that are designed to work with meshed space assets. So things like satellite constellations. We're talking specialized software to support things like rapid launch, navigation, docking, 
advanced maneuvering, guided reentry systems. There's this whole new world of opportunities specifically for cyber-related companies, cyber-related startups, and the cyber industry uh, across the board that the new space economy in particular is opening up. So definitely, everyone, keep your eyes uh, for those opportunities in 2023. So Dr. Pauly, thank you so much for joining the hot seat today. This was a wonderful interview. We've learned a lot. You've got two great websites. You're a director of both companies. One is VentureScope.com for folks to visit. And if you're looking to get in an amazing accelerator, if you're a disruptive player in these areas that Dr. Pauly described, please visit Mach37.com. You've been listening to Cyber Defense Radio. Stay tuned next time for another amazing and informative episode. CyberDefenseRadio.com is proudly part of the Cyber Defense Media Group, where InfoSec knowledge is power. Cyber Defense TV and Cyber Defense Radio have launched 24 by 7 by 365 live streams. Visit them online today at CyberDefense.tv and CyberDefense.radio with your host and globally recognized cybersecurity expert and my good friend, Gary Malewski.